Welcome, welcome, welcome all to another fantastic continuing conversation. The conversation always continues here. I'm Michael Desmuke. I'm a blogger on Continuing Mission, which is the number one site for Star Trek Adventures RPG and Captain's Log. I'm also the lead writer for Captain's Log and a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG, loving every moment of it. And of course, I couldn't do this alone. I have to do it with my esteemable colleague, Jim Johnson. Hey, everybody. Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG and the Captain's Log Solo RPG, both published by Modifius Entertainment. Love these many years, going on eight years now, I guess. I don't know. I've lost track. <laughs> it's going going full speed ahead, though, and we're having a lot of fun. We had a great 2023. We're getting into a great 2024 here, just uh, just starting. Uh, uh, we're recording this episode literally on January 2. Uh, so Happy New Year, everybody, and uh, Happy New Year to, uh, to Michael. And happy new year to our guest, special guest tonight, Eric Campbell. And uh, before we um, introduce our guest, Michael, <laughs> I have to say thank you humbly because that was a huge, huge surprise on New Year's Eve. Um, I was so tired because uh, uh, my family and I were on vacation and then we got back at like 1.30 in the morning on wow. Saturday because our plane was delayed because it had to be de-iced. Uh, uh, and trust cool. me, I would rather it be de-iced than, you know, yeah, crash in the alternative. You sure. know? So um, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that we, I'm glad we made it home safe and sound. Um, but uh, um, got to bed really super, super late. And uh, I was just dragging all day, all day Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and literally I, I was up and I saw the, I saw your post on Facebook about the cameo from Todd Stashwick. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell is this? And <laughs> you uh, deserve it. And it was touching and, and I, and I wept and I was very proud and I was very humble and I was very pleased. So thank you so much for that. It was a huge surprise. I had literally no idea you had anything even remotely planned like that. So well, my um, thing, my thing in life, I, I'm, I'm people who know me know I'm not about just gifts i'm about experiences yeah and so i really like being able to do something you deserve it when i think about yeah. people i try yeah. to do something singular but as you saw from the reaction of everybody on social media um i think everyone came together to talk about the work you do on this game so we yeah well, i am i'm am, I am grateful and gratified and everything else so so thank you so much for that i will try to do you all proud this year uh, we'll see what happens um, but uh, anyway, enough about that. Uh, but uh, Michael, thank you from the, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, and uh, I hope we finally get a chance to catch up at a at a convention here at some point in the near future. See how that happens. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Imagine yeah. we're so we're so productive, not even knowing is being around each other. Imagine if we're actually in the same room. What's going to happen? Oh my gosh, we'd be uncontrollable. Warp core it would, breach. It would, it would literally be a twenty four hour continuing conversation. Just hit record and let us let us go. <laughs> Anyway, so all that being said, um, Happy New Year, everybody, and uh, I am super excited to welcome our guest. Uh, I believe this is at least the second or third time you've been on. Um, I second. I'm, I think it's second, actually think. just Maybe. the second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We've, uh -huh. we've had Jody on a couple times, and you may oh, have yeah, done that one. Yeah. You may have done it. You may have done a drive-by just to say hi or something. But, Probably, uh, yeah. But anyway, thrilled to have you back, Eric. Uh, so uh, please uh, introduce yourself to our to our guests, and uh, uh, you know, plug anything you want to plug, and uh, and then we'll just jump into it. Uh, yeah, my name is Eric Campbell, and I am primarily a writer actor who has been sort of making his way as a full-time storyteller for the past six years now. I guess um, got my big start on Geek and Sundry running. 
uh, Eric's TBD RPG was, was our Doctor Who RPG. And then that, of course, segued into the one that I'm most known for, which is Shield of Tomorrow. And uh, I've been playing Star Trek Adventures ever since. Um, right, We finished up our Clear Skies campaign a while back. Then Elisa took over. But now we are gearing up for the new year and hopefully we'll have some fun stuff to announce. But yeah, um, trying to think. It's, it's weird because I'm not used to plugging things. And this is a year where I'm actually in D8 on things that are yet to be plugged. So I can't really... Uh-huh. <laughs> it's wonderful that's a wonderful thanks yeah it's exciting but it's definitely put me in new territory where i'm like uh i don't know what i can talk mm-hmm. about okay well there is something you can talk about for anyone who's new to eric campbell which i would be hard for me to guess that anybody who watches our <laughs> podcast doesn't know who eric campbell is but mm-hmm. that, that little placard behind you the uss ross there's ah. a kick butt story there and I, yeah. I do want you to go ahead and at least just to frame the connection between rpg and the yeah. greater world of star trek what your involvement is there with the uss ross talk to us about that yeah so we we've had a relationship with star trek online since shield of tomorrow and that's where i met two of uh well three of my friends from star trek online that'd be mike fadem uh thomas maroney and our good friend nick who like all three of them have been huge supporters of what we, what we do. And they really loved what we did. Um, mm-hmm. We partnered up with them and some of our characters uh, inadvertently, sometimes, sometimes as a surprise ended up in Star Trek online. Uh, our ship ended up on Star Trek online. And that was great. Flash forward to shield of tomorrow wrapping. Um, when we started up clear skies, we were closer that time to Star Trek online. Cause we were like, Hey, we're going to launch this. And from the beginning, we'd like to coordinate with you. What do you guys think about partnering up? And Thomas Maroney, who is their lead ship designer, uh, or not, he's one of their lead ship designers. He uh, basically was like, oh, well, why don't we design a starship and then I'll pitch it to our company and see if they're on board. But why don't we do like a partnership like that? They agreed. He, with me, he gave me notes about everything I love. My favorite, my favorite starship is the USS Enterprise A. I'm a huge fan of the refit. I love that era. Uh, Michael, you and I have talked about how we love the maroon uniform era. It's just like, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. it's, it's one of, I think, one of the most underrepresented, awesome eras in Star Trek. And um, so I gave him some notes about all the different parts of starships that I love to throw together. He put together the USS Ross, um, a beautiful variant of the galaxy class and some of the aspects of my favorite starships in Star Trek Online. Mm-hmm. flash forward to start season one of star trek picard okay so at the end of season one they had this big showdown at the end of season one and they ended up having to cookie cutter a bunch of, you can absolutely tell they cookie cuttered a th- like a thousand ships and it looked right. a little it, it was rough so season two comes along and they wanted more ships and they realized they had a license holder that had a bunch of ships in star trek online they approached star trek online and said do you have any ships that we can put in picard and Thomas Maroney was like, what about the USS Ross? So that's how the Ross class ended up in Star Trek Picard. And uh, that I've was- never asked you this either. Did you know that that was going to happen before no. the episode premiered? No. Oh, oh we did. Yes. Uh, okay. we got, they, he got permission from Paramount and CBS and they did a reaction video, which you can actually see on Star Trek <gasps> Online's YouTube channel of him breaking the news to us. And you can see my brain is kind of short circuiting and the cast is losing their minds. And it was, it was amazing. So uh, wait, talk to me about that. I never saw this video. How did yeah, I never see the video? Yeah. Star Trek online has it up on their YouTube page, but uh, Thomas was like, Hey, can, can we chat? Can we get the cast together just to have a talk? I, I'd like to talk to y'all about something. And I was like, Oh shit, they're up to something. Cause, cause the last time they sprang this on us was when uh, we, the last time something like this happened to us that kind of blew our minds was actually when Modiphius Chris Birch was like, yo, we're going to put the Sally ride in our science division core book. And I was like, Oh, <gasps> 
<gasps> that was such a and the audience wept the cast wept it was a glorious moment and it happened live on air when we announced that uh in the middle of our finale to the show so it was emotional but it's like so this cool. they managed to record it and it was great and then the last part of the story is is we thought that was the end of the story mm-hmm. And then season three of Picard rolls around and I was like, oh, I wonder if we'll see the Ross class again. But no, we didn't just see the Ross class. The Ross appeared in the show. Um, and not only did the Ross appear in the show, but they, they used our registry and everything. What so does that feel like, Eric? What's that they, feel like? That was so that was somebody I didn't I didn't catch it. One of our fans, one of we call our, our, our fans call themselves auxiliary crew or the ox crew. So mm-hmm. our, one of the ox crew members messaged us and was like, yo, did you see this? And I was like, <laughs> so I, I messaged everybody else losing my mind. I was like, uh, so I went and sure enough, like 45 minutes after I saw that in the USS Ross, us are on memory alpha and I lost my mind. <laughs> I was like, and uh, to close out the story, um, Jody had been invited to this little miniature comic-con thing that we went out to that I guess Pat Oswald and a friend of his were hosting here in Los Angeles. So we went to this and there was, uh, we're supporting uh, not only Jody, but our friends Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly are there and they're good friends of ours and prolific, amazing Star Trek writers, just like Jody. And um, uh, while we were out there, Terry Metalis was there and I got to walk up to him and be like, Hey, listen, I, I know you know because I know you're a D&D nerd and I know that you are familiar with the TTRPG space but I was like I, I just want you to know that we're the stream punks and the Ross was our baby and you did that and I just I wanted to say thank you and he he reached out and took my hand shook my hand and he's like you're welcome anything I can I could help it and it was just it was wild it was pretty, it was pretty crazy so yeah we're in Picard seasons one and two it's pretty cool. nuts <laughs> it's pretty nuts yeah Jim, I, 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 I just got to say, like, Jim, who brought you in for the Ross? Because I know it's a Utopia Planitia, too. Mm-hmm. Was that Thomas Maroney who dra- dragged that in, Jim? Yeah. Well, no, I think uh, I think uh, Thomas gave us a bunch of um, uh, a bunch of ship art and had some suggestions about what ships to add. And um, it just worked out that he knew that the, a lot of those ships were going into Picard and the season two, season three. And uh, yeah, of course, he didn't tell us, of course, until you know later, uh, which is fine. But uh, so we got all that, and uh, I think we put in that class of ship, and we used the Ross as the sample version of that, like because we we did the space frame, and then we did the 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 representative vessel of that class, and it was the Ross, and uh, um, you know, <laughs> and then and then they revealed that it was all in Picard, and it was like, oh my gosh, what a great great set of connections, not yeah. only to Star Trek Online, but also to to you guys. And then also to Picard. So it was just a, a sweet little moment. And I think you have to think, uh, I think Thomas is the instigator for all that. Yeah. yeah. When you see it, when you see it on screen, Eric, do you picture yourself on the bridge? Like, do you actually picture yourself? You know, funny, funny enough, like when I see it on screen, my, my brain lights up with what were the stories told between now and then? Like, mm-hmm. I want to know what, like my, my mind immediately goes, man, like what, as as duty crews as as the crew rotations happened like who became the next captain like i know how we left it off but who was after like how many refits has she gone through and has have they updated the promenade deck if they turned it around like i i have so many quiet my brain starts immediately lighting up of like there's so many stories Mm -hmm. to tell between the time when we wrapped to when she appears in the card and i'm like that's what my brain starts thinking out my there is uh, i don't know if you know this michael but there's a guy named tadeo who does a bunch of just surely for the love of it does full on 3d modeling of interiors of starships mm-hmm. and Tadeo did 
that for us without us knowing that was happening for clear skies. So you can actually, um, actually even, uh, put together a virtual tour for it. So you can actually walk around the bridge of the Ross and he posted it in a video of like a VHS style video of us moving around the, it's amazing. Wow. It's gone into it. It's amazing. Yeah. Today, today I did some of the, uh, some of the bridge layouts for us in utopia. Oh, he's Um, just master. Master. Really lucky that we got connected to him. Yeah. Thomas. So thanks, Thomas. Thanks, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas is ama- amazing. Star Trek Rolodex uh, is super powerful. So grateful to have him on yeah. the team. Mm-hmm. So if I'm if I were to ask you something about how you feel about Star Trek Adventures Evolution as a game, because of course you're one of the stories where it's game to canon. I, I we talked to Jackson about this too, because mm-hmm. now Jackson and Colin Kelly, we had them on the show mm-hmm. and they talked about how many of the ideas that while they were playing RPG are now starting to get incorporated in the comics that they're mm-hmm. doing. Um, and so when when you think of Star Trek Adventures as an evolution and you as evolution as a storyteller, what comes to mind? Um, we have this kind of running joke in our group because there are so many story points and choices that we have made and things that we have done that that we have seen kind of suddenly appear in the show over the years. Fans have pointed them out to us. And I think there is, I think before I go and say those were our ideas, uh, I want to say that there is absolutely a lot of credit to be made to the idea of creative synchronicity and some of the things that were there. But um, when I think about the evolution, I, I just think about how there are so many people creating Star Trek right now. And they they too are doing what we are doing, which is just like diving deep into all of these things that lit us up as kids watching Star Trek and finding ways to tell new stories about like what was the evolution of the Genesis device and, uh, you know, whatever <laughs> Lower Decks just did this recently. Whatever happened to that dude that got his butt kicked out of Starfleet for being a jackass and killing one of his fellow uh-huh. Academy members like I, I I love oh god and I just want to and, and every time every time they reference the original lower decks crew from TNG I always get a little misty eyed because that was just one of my favorite episodes but mm-hmm. um yeah th- as evolution goes it, it's been weird for me because so much of what I do does not get the stuff that Jackson and Colin are crafting Star Trek I'm crafting stories and content for our players in a community but a lot of what I create it is sheer luck that it has been created, that it has been contributed, that it has gone into uh, Trek, the Trek fold. And what strikes me as ironic is, is that I- I've been fortunate enough that some of the stories and characters and whatnot that we have had adapted into Trek, thanks to Modiphius being incredibly cool to us and Star Trek Online being cool to us and everything. If nothing else, I take its silent pride in like, I know we're crafting quality stories and interesting hooks for people to get fascinated about and a way of celebrating Star Trek. But what always kind of, um, what always kind of gets me mystified is I'm like, what's going to like, where do I, do I fit into Trek at this point? Because a lifelong dream was always to be a part of it somehow. And I have gone the weirdest route mm-hmm. to, to be orbiting Trek. And so when I think of my evolution with it and, and, and my take, I'm like, I have no idea where I am with that. I'm just, I love what I've done and I love what we're doing, but I'm always just like, is there more? Am I am like, what if I got lucky? Am I going to end up in a writer's room one day? Could I get that lucky? 
And I like that would be can I be an extra? <laughs> I'm like, I gotta, I gotta start, I gotta start looking bigger. I know I've I've already pestered Jim about letting me write for Star Trek Adventures. I'm like, maybe I what I need to do is just do the same for hey Terry, listen, <laughs> I know you've got a button. He'd slam the door in my face. <laughs> I'd be like, let me write for Picard. <laughs> um, yeah. Shoot high in the universe. I always say shoot high, right. land in the middle, right? Somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yeah. I mean, which means I could end up at craft services for Picard and I'm down. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, that works. Yeah. If you need somebody to help you clean like yeah. polished shoes while you're out there, I'm there. No joke. Like, I'm down. <gasps> yeah. So, 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 Jim, you have any questions before I, you know, I have a million questions written down, but I can't, I don't want to hog them. I'm just, I'm just vibing off of listening. Um, but uh, I think um, I think if you wanted to think about, you know, one of your one of the one of the places that you fit into the whole Star Trek thing, like, I mean, it's it's through the RPG to some extent with, you know, w- the work that you did on Shield of the Tomorrow and Clear Skies and mm-hmm. and everything else, what you did differently than like what Jackson and Colin are doing where they're they're creating Star Trek stories in 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 you know in in the comics and stuff what what you were able to do you and your crews you you were able to show fans you can take this body of material add your own original stuff to it and craft your own incredible stories mm-hmm. and and expand the Star Trek universe in a way that would not be possible by anybody else right because every individual group that comes to the game um and with their own ideas and their own characters are going to put their own mark on it Right. And, and it's going to become their own unique thing. And it's going to take mm-hmm. on a life of its own. And I think because you were, I mean, if, if not the first among the very first streamers that were doing Star Trek Adventures, even before it was released. Right. You were you were already you were playing the, through the playtest. Right. And yeah. um, you were you were like the the early shining example of what was possible with the game. And I think I think I, I mean, I, I can't even calculate how many gaming groups must have watched your stuff and said oh we want to do that in star trek with this game system using you guys as the model and then going off and having their own amazing adventures and stuff and probably sparking off their own creativity and all that stuff um so i think that's i mean that's a legacy right there um (laughs) that i I am grateful for obviously having just been a writer and then moving into the project management role like we got super lucky the with that timing that you were actually doing that yeah me too me too i had just bought i had just i had blown my entire tax return Mm -hmm. on buying the decipher the entire collection of the decipher core books for star trek because i didn't know there was a new rpg coming out and it just made it on onto my desk that that was that i think it was rob manuel who is our editor-in-chief at gns for a while he was the one that put that in front of me and i was like i'm sorry what there's Mm -hmm. a i got so excited when i found out there was a new one yeah yeah so, yeah. so, so, oh, go ahead. No, I was just, I was gonna say, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't, just don't forget that you have, you, you found a way to, <laughs> to spark hundreds and hundreds of people to go play the, go play the game, and, and to, not, it's not so much just playing the game, but just to, like, dig into their own, into their own creativity, and, and be willing to make their own characters and their own stories, and to just add to the gigantic you know, meta tapestry that is Star Trek that, mm-hmm. you know, none of us can see all of it, but we know it's out there because the right. galaxy is bigger than all of us. And um, the Star Trek galaxy is big enough for everybody. Right. And I think you got you all showed um, that it's possible to do amazing, cool stuff um, without having to be tied to to everything else that's already been been behind us. 
to, to no. back that up too, I'll shock, uh, you know, people online and social media. I let them know we're doing this, this interview and Al shock said, please tell him you, Eric, I have been gaming for, for 40 years and I still learn something every time I watch him run a game. Mm. And Bill Barbado, who is a Star Trek super fan. He says, I believe that shield of tomorrow holds up as being on par with any of the televised star Trek series. The characters and adventures are just as good as any we've seen in the franchise. The cast did an outstanding job, but it all harmonized thanks to the brilliant direction of Eric in the GM seat, uh, mm-hmm. which leads into the question then from Jim Cushman, which says, how much pressure did you feel being the flag bearer for the amalgam of two of your favorite things, RPGs and Star Trek, while being the first professionally produced actual play show to use the Star Trek Adventures game system? <laughs> uh, this, this is, this might, you might find this funny. Uh, none. <laughs> uh, because, because the reason why is because, uh, first of all, before I finish answering, holy hell, thank you for saying all those incredibly nice things. <laughs> that's definitely, uh, that's definitely nice to hear. Um, the, the pressures that I felt, the reason why I felt none is because of the glorious double-edged sword that is hyper-focus ADHD. I was so absolutely thrilled that no one could stop me from being in Star Trek. <laughs> no one, like, I don't know how I met, I, I met it, the, just the stars aligned. Uh, they liked the Doctor Who show enough that they let me have anything. I, they gave me a budget to put together a Star Trek show. And the moment we got the set rolling, I was like, I can, this is mine. Like I get to, I get to finally, t- and at the time there really wasn't any Star Trek happening. Like discovery was about to start happening. I believe is when I, I think that's how that lined up. But, um, I was, I was too excited. I was too focused. The, our session zero was fantastic. And then when we started running the game, I, I wasn't feeling any pressure at all. I was just so thrilled, um, that we were all, getting to explore and play in Star Trek adventures. I, I just felt so happy. I, I the set the uniforms. Uh, we had talked to CBS Paramount. They told us it was fine. <laughs> I was just, I was thrilled. I felt like I had cheated my way into, to, in my, in my brain, I was like, no, we are Star Trek. Like this mm-hmm. is it. I get to write and tell the Star Trek story. I wanted to, to like partake in with friends. So um, I was too, I was too focused on loving what I was doing to feel any pressure at all. I don't think I realized how high up we had climbed because mm-hmm. I was way too busy looking straight up. I was not looking down. So yeah, that's pretty much how it went for I me. I love personally. hearing that. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a great, uh, that's a great philosophy. Right. And I, I know that um, working with writers uh, in, in the past, like I, I try to remind them just, keep pushing forward don't look back because if you look back you're gonna slow down so right. keep just keep driving keep driving keep driving keep keep reaching for your goals and uh right here right right from eric's mouth man <laughs> yeah. listen to him he's got nuggets of gold here for you <laughs> yeah <clears throat> totally don't feel that pressure just just fearlessly charge forward right and that's what that's what yeah. Starfleet does, right yeah i think anytime i do feel pressure at any point because there was certainly we certainly felt pressure after shield of tomorrow Mm-hmm. because after shield of tomorrow we launched our own little indie world that we had created and we knew that we were going to lose people because it wasn't star trek and that it was new and it was a system that people weren't familiar with so that's when we felt pressure but um and and a little bit there was it was kind of a wonky time but definitely felt pressure when we launched clear skies because there was this question as to we weren't on a huge network anymore we don't have anywhere near the reach 
and then the pandemic. So suddenly we couldn't be in in studio game anymore. So then the pressure was on. Like I was really worried that that was going to really affect us. But Shield of Tomorrow was from start to finish just it wasn't an easy experience. It, it did have its challenges, especially in the beginning. But um, but it was good. It still one of the highlights of my my adult life easily. Yeah. Speaking of evolution too, you know, let's just get to the bare bones and talk about the game because one of the biggest things myself and Jim are constantly doing mm-hmm. online and, and a lot of the other writers, Nathan Dowdell, is fielding questions about rules and adapting them for your group. So mm-hmm. I know that's been a big conversation with the shows you've done. Some yeah. people have said, wow, you don't roll the dice a lot or you have homebrew rules, right? When you first picked it up, you were all learning the rules and kind of... right learning as you played right yeah so, so talk to us about your your philosophy about homebrew rules evolving matching your players what advice would you give to people picking up the game for the first time well i think with shield of tomorrow what was important because we we certainly had people on our cast that had never played the game i mean none of us had played the game before but we had people in our cast like Aliza, for example was not that familiar with ttrpgs and hadn't really done it sam had certainly done it before but was still uh, was still like uh, like easing into it because they had done some stuff with us with TBDRPG obviously was a big part of it but it suffice to say we had we had people that were not like we meet every weekend to role play kind of people you know what I mean like they were just they're familiar with it but they didn't they weren't that familiar with it so it was easy to see them get overwhelmed because there was concepts and stuff that were coming quite naturally to the rest of us that they didn't quite get. So what I discovered with Star Trek Adventures is, and this, I didn't to my, I to be perfectly honest, I didn't discover this till very late in the game with Star Trek Adventures, but I started realizing that really where Star Trek Adventures excels is that it provides you with an excellent pl- a rule set for capturing either it it really this is ultimately what i ended up telling folks when they started getting really intimidated about ship combat and i was like look the way this is set up is to is to help you simulate not the tactical experience of what it would be like to be engaged in a space battle and three-dimensional space at blah 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 i'm like what this is get designed to do is to help you feel like you are in battle in star trek like this is uh, like imagine a camera crew is recording this. So practice your shimmies and shakes because that's what this is. From from the moment I realized that this was really a delivery method for running our own TV show of an RPG, um, and to not take it too seriously, to just really enjoy and play and have fun and say, "What if?" I began to realize that the rules for Star Trek um, it, it became it became easier to to find out which rules to engage certain players with like Eliza really loved using the uh, system for uh, the scientific method because it enabled her science officer to feel like she was doing science and she loved it. Um, and then, but the flip side to that is we have some neurodivergent folks in our cast. And I'll tell you right now, Bonnie Gordon would get hung up on extended tasks that just kind of caused her brain to short circuit. Cause she was like, I don't and, and be like, okay it's fine and so we would find ways around that it's easy enough to do when you just throw a difficulty number out there and just have it roll a couple of times if you don't want to engage with a certain system you don't have to mm-hmm. but um what i've discovered is is those those systems that are in place are excellent for simulating those dramatic moments and we could pick and choose as we as we went along so uh it, it what i discovered is how flexible it was 
the ultimate delivery method for delivering a Star Trek experience. You you can use as little or as many of the rules as you want and you get it. So yeah. that was the that was the big thing that I took away from that we kind of took into clear skies with clear skies we got a little crunchier with the rules and then the next time i run a star trek adventures campaign uh i plan on getting even further into the rules with the ship in particular so do you do you think you like my game my around the table game we've actually incorporated the simplicity because they're new players some don't know star trek of captain's log the probability Hmm. matrix in order to get through certain decision points so would you do you envision incorporating some of that so I think Captain's Log is one. Of, I'm not just saying this because you wrote the dang thing. I but, didn't write the whole thing. A team of people. Sure. I just have sure. to leave. You were one of many. You were <laughs> you were one of the the collective that. Yeah. that um, but I ran a game for about a year off screen where no one was watching. I ran a game uh, called Forbidden Lands by Freelink Publishing and discovered instantly how much I love spontaneous module like instant creation rpg stuff where you roll the dice and the game says maybe this happens and those creative prompts launched what might have been one of my favorite campaigns that no one will ever see and Mm -hmm. uh i star trek adventures is just ripe for that because of how the, the very nature of star trek is going out and seeing what's out there um as Amy Dallin put it in our finale for shield of tomorrow. And I, when I saw captain's log come out, like the first thought I had wasn't solo play. The first thought I had was, Oh man, I can use this for so much in campaign play prompting story. And what same with the lower decks, I just want to pause for a second and say the lower deck supplement that came out along with captain's log, those two things do such a brilliant job at capturing the intimate, side of life aboard a starship that for role-playing oh it's just ah, i i i'm like oh man i wish we had had this when we were doing (laughs) shield but i was like this is great and sam i remember some one of the members of our group asked like why are you so in love with the specifically like the lower deck supplement and i was like oh because uh now i can roll a die and find out if it's pie eating contest night you know that (laughs) stuff seems ridiculous but oh my god that is the life's blood of a social life on board i mean half the reason well, why we tuned into tng well it's funny that you say that too because i know i'm working with you know i, I play a game with some some other writers uh for for Star Trek Adventures, and we're dying to play what we're calling a boring game. We want to be on a dark outpost yeah. somewhere, no action, and just roll lower decks, Utopia Planitia style issues. Mm-hmm. And, and and so it's funny that you say that. It's so true. Like the joke that we in the community constantly make is somebody needs to make a cozy Star Trek art, uh, video game, mm. like like Stardew Valley style, where you just get up in the morning and leave your quarters and go do your jobs and maybe have a few relationships. Oh with my God, like Sims or something? Yes. Somebody yeah. needs to make that because so many people don't realize, especially in this environment where um, I think Star Trek did this thing. I'll try to keep this on rails and brief. Star Trek did this. You thing. don't have to. It's us. We're continuing conversation. <laughs> I just it's just that Star Trek. Definitely, especially when the Abrams verse started up, there seemed to be this conceit to turn Star Trek into Star Wars. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I will try to keep it brief by saying just there was a lot of explosive action and and world ending events that were happening every 30 seconds. And I missed data's day. Mm -hmm. I I missed seeing Worf's parents visit the enterprise. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I missed seeing, uh, 
you know, I miss going onto the holodeck and them visiting, you know, their favorite singing bartender. And like, I, I miss the, the intimate moments that made it feel like every turn time you turned on star Trek, you were going to your second home, mm -hmm. but there was always drama. There was always stakes, but there was a comfort food aspect to star Trek. That was a, that was fantastic. That made us fall in love with the characters. And, uh, that I think has started to come back in. I've noticed like strange new worlds and, Lower Decks in particular have been doing an amazing, and I, I do have to say that I, I have really enjoyed the past couple of seasons of Discovery, but I do love the, the pacing of Strange New Worlds and uh, Lower Decks has been really exciting because we're getting some of those just cause storylines. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love seeing the world, the, the living world of Star Trek. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'd love to get your um, your thoughts on this, um, Eric. We had uh, we had Merrick um, Merrick Moyer on the show a couple of weeks. Or I don't know how many several episodes ago. I was just I was just rewatching it over the holidays, mm -hmm. and uh, he and Michael and I we were talking about um, you know how how you can do things in the RPG that they can't do on the television show because they've got forty five minutes. They got to do right. commercial breaks. They got to they got to hit the beats. They got to keep things moving. Uh, and in the TV shows, they don't always have time for those little those little beats, those little moments. The right. like like lower decks makes fun of it sometimes. Where oh, they're going to go do a poetry reading, or there's a there's a musical, or there's a oh, they're going to go put a play on. Okay, yeah. well, okay, how many times is going to happen? But that kind of stuff is is like the stuff that my groups lived on like we love that yes. stuff man we would do whole sessions where we would just spend two hours just doing subplots or just throwing character day in the life stuff out there yeah and, um i i know you were able to do some of that on on shield of tomorrow and clear skies but like is that something that you really love to do as a game master is like just drop in as many of those little random character beats and character scenes uh just to provide more texture to the overall uh tapestry of your story Hundred percent, and and the and the the secret to doing it, the secret to doing it and doing it really well, is literally just letting go of the handrails, mm -hmm. throwing your hands up like you're on a roller coaster, and the players do all the rest. Like mm -hmm. all you have to do is set a stage, sit back, grab your popcorn, and watch, because <laughs> that's what every time there was a lull or a pause, the players absolutely would find something to do. Mm -hmm. uh, they would find some like social events or anything. They would find something to go live in the character in, in those moments. And, and, uh, and the audience loves it when that happens. Like I, like people are not, people are kind of like, Oh, interesting. When you find out that the guy you're after is actually the Klingon captain who's been hunting you. Fascinating. But Oh my God, will they, or won't they when it comes to, you know, intercrew relationships or or somebody who's attempting to gain a pip on their collar stuff like that that every single time our ox crew eats that up and They're that's so where and, and that's where those prompts come in that you were talking i about. love it right yes. that's that's having those lower deck level mm -hmm. prompts where romantic relationships hr issues right mundane jobs you've just been assigned that, that's yeah. where rpg really comes alive yeah Hundred percent. Our our biggest episodes in Shield of Tomorrow and Clear Skies were always the backstory or personal episodes. They were never the the like the the episodes where major mysteries were being solved was was icing for the cake for sure. But that was not the what everyone showed up for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So Eric, I'm curious. I want to dig in dig into something you said a little bit. Um, in my thirty mumble years of playing RPGs, mm -hmm. um. 
it's always been in, in my experience with my groups it's always been star trek where the players were really energized to start filling in those spots like like you were saying if there was a slow spot they'd find something to do they'd throw in something mm-hmm. they take it they take the reins and they go running with it um and i know that the groups i played with like when we play other games um any other game like anything other than star trek it, they struggled with that a little bit where they we, they didn't quite have the same level of oh well i'm gonna go do this while, while you're trying to figure out it, it, somehow it was always star trek whatever game system we were using that really sparked their their imagination to just take advantage of it and run with it and i was just wondering like in the other games that you've run that haven't been star trek have, have you had the same kind of player um um enthusiasm to just jump in and start running with it or has has it been you know something different there it hasn't come as naturally star trek i'll never forget when i first started thinking about the dynamics of star trek are so different than other rpgs because you're basically in your flying home at all times on multiple decks and Mm -hmm. players have rank so there's like this there's immediately i'll never forget that conversation i had with colville uh matt colville when we were launching shield of tomorrow he was like you're gonna have a problem with with rank and i was like why and he's like because uh, everyone has a different idea of what lawful good is, and that's what Starfleet tries to be. And uh, and nobody likes being told what to do <laughs> at the gaming mm-hmm. table. What I discovered, though, was is the rank actually fed the role play for the things you were talking about, where people were just excited to jump in. They want to take orders, especially in order they don't like and they have to take it. Drama. Here we go. I don't want to do this. Um, as long as a conversation is happening above table and everyone's cool, like they are so eager to live out their Star Trek fantasy and, and have those moments and they'll want to, you know, repeat things that they've seen data do or somebody, they Riker doing something or Janeway, or they'll just go through the list of episodes that they've always enjoyed. And they'll try to like in clear skies, perseverance, which is all, that's all Aliza. That was her, her whole thing. She made a big push for the characters to have a book club. Um, and I forgot whose idea what it was, but it became like this thing. Um, and it was kind of cool because Clear Sky's Perseverance became a, a show that was all about the little moments. And I had and we didn't know it was going to do that. It just that entire show just became about small moments and like the personal lives of the character it didn't become at all about building ships, which is, I think, what we all thought it was going to be. <laughs> and uh, so that's I, I there's definitely this impulse that that's a Star Trek is a great spot for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's happened more in Trek than anywhere else. For some reason it's it's true it just happens interesting yeah, yeah. really interesting no you know, it's, not, it's funny you, you mentioned something else when you, you were talking about matt colville um michael I, I think we need to do a show if we, I, I don't know if we've i know i know we've touched on this a few times but i feel like we need to do a show where we talk about how um the the, the whole concept of no one wants to take orders and and no one wants to play the captain because no one is going to pay any attention to them and they're they're all going to be a bunch of lone wolves on the show right or on the on the on the on the game it's like i don't i don't see that like i I just think back to all the crews like every single player i've ever played with were hardcore star trek fans and like they got the concept of what they sell on the shows like okay you have a hierarchy you do orders but even though you're taking orders or giving orders it's still kind of collaborative first name basis friends that are like trying to do this whole Starfleet thing. Mm -hmm. And it was more often than not, never an issue of like, Oh boy, you know, Jim's being the captain and he's a jerk and he's ordering me around and I don't want to do (laughs) that. 
and just you get this tension at the table. So I, I haven't seen it. And I know I've seen so many fans talk about this over the years that they're really hesitant to have a player character as captain or even yeah. as a senior officer. And uh, I just I, I would love to really dig down into that, Michael. <laughs> we'll get Eric and a couple other people on the show. Maybe. Yeah, I, I would love that. I know I, I know I introduced somebody who didn't know anything about Star Trek and they became a captain. Yeah. And they made some really bad decisions and they lost their rank. And, and it, within two within two episodes of playing, they ended up in prison, Jag and everything. So mm. we sat around and he was like, oh, I didn't know it was going to go there. What do I do now? <laughs> the players agreed to go 10 years in the future. And I wrote a story where he's coming out, nice. but as an advisor and a convict, you know, he's a felon and a convict, but he's back on the ship because he knows something to solve the case. And oh, it's, wow. it's, Michael, it's, yeah. It's created awesome. a super interesting dynamic where now he's sitting there and people know that that's that captain who lost their ship. And now, and so there's this begrudging relationship, but he's actually now trying to live up to Starfleet ideals because he as a player now gets it too. He's like, oh, this isn't Star Wars. Oh, and so I think mm-hmm. there's a way if you have a patient group to to make it work, but the lesson learned has made uh, we're about our, on our ninth game. Um, it's made the group real, it's, again, two of the people... Well, he knew nothing about Star Trek. Two other people knew nothing about Star Trek. Two did know about Star Trek. So the other two who are just observing are also like, oh, I, and they're coming in as incense. They're like, oh, I get it now. And they're, and they're asking him questions like, what did you do? And then he's explaining and it's, it's very new. So there's a way to bring it into the game that I actually find fascinating when you have a bad captain. Yeah. Um, I, S- Sam was a little intimidated about being captain in Clear Skies. They they had a lot of reservation about it. They wanted to do it, but they were also really nervous about it. And uh, which is one of the reasons why it it was important to have Gina be the XO because Gina, Sam uh, absolutely loves Gina to pieces, and so they they had had a relationship with their characters uh, in Eric's CBD RPG. So flash forward to Clear Skies, they were like, I, so long as like I have. Gina as my XO, this is great. <laughs> but what we discovered was the best way to pitch it to somebody is if you like playing a bard in D&D, you should play the captain in Star Trek because all you mm. are is a buff class. You just inspire and and uh, support everyone around you. Like you have rank, but where you really shine is making your crew better. And mm. I'm like, if you want to play a character class or like a role on the ship that is all about giving it away to the other players, you need to play a captain. And that's that kind of attracts a lot of people to the role at that point. Interesting. I like that. That's well said. Yeah, we'll definitely do that show, Jim. We will. <laughs> so, so now that Star Trek Adventures, I want to talk about something else that you're working on, Eric. Okay. Why don't you explain to people? Uh, maybe, maybe I know you've been talking a lot about it on your, um, you know, stream on your Twitch that I watch. Mm-hmm every time I can <laughs> I constantly have in the background at work or when I'm driving. Um, so, so you've started a new discord server for Captain. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> can you please talk, introduce us to us, tell us what it's about, how you're putting it together. Oh man. Um, so before I say a single thing, I need to give a huge shout out to our friend Steffi, who is a mod on both yeah. my Twitch channel and on discord um and rogan for helping as well rogan uh is also a big part of this but um but steffi really is just the tip of the spear because she basically put together the entire role play area for captain's log and so organized it 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 makes me look so pitiful my Discord server playing i it's so organized i was like i I mean i was basing it off of the 
the role play on the Discord, it initially it's it started during Shield of Tomorrow. And what we noticed is over on the Geek and Sun, somebody so one of our friend, uh, a person who had become a friend of ours, Fiona, went and made a Eric's TBD RPG fan server, which transitioned into the uh, Shield of Tomorrow server. On the Shield of Tomorrow fan server, they created the decks for the USS Sally ride and role play just sort of began, organically started happening and we started noticing it. And they just started playing out their characters as if they were uh, crew members on the USS Sally ride. So they would watch an episode and then they would go play out how that was affecting their characters. And for funsies, one day I, I, took, I paid attention to the Discord server and I took what I saw happening in there, which was a wedding between two characters. And I started an episode of Shield of Tomorrow with uh, Hector's captain officiating the wedding. And oh. It blew their minds and they were so excited. And I was like, we're really onto something like an integration here. Mm-hmm. So clear skies happened and we tried to do the same thing, but it was really, it, it was kind of difficult because we were trying to incentivize people wanting to support stream punks by letting them have NPCs be a part of the game. But it was really clunky doing that. It was hard to integrate, but we still let a space open for role play. And then when that wrapped, it came to an end. And ever since I've been wanting to get it back on there, I was nervous about doing it because I wanted it to be structured and I wanted it to be able to handle itself and be able to sort of take care of itself without being a burden to the mods. So captain's log comes out and all of a sudden there's a format where role play can be done in such a way where players don't necessarily, you know, in free form role play, aren't necessarily stepping on each other's toes. So I approached uh, the, the community about it and Steffi jumped in and immediately created this incredible structure. It's still evolving because right now we've set up, she set up multiple channels. So we created, we created Starbase 123. Uh, which is just north of Marindra. It's north, it's like two sectors north on the galactic map of Narendra Station. So it's out near Shackleton Expanse on the other side of the Romulan uh, border. It's in Federation space, though, obviously. Um, mm. And it's, we're kind of modeling it off of the Starbase. Starbase 123 does exist. It was mentioned in canon, but we're modeling it after uh, the same Starbase that was used in the video game Star Trek Resurgence, which is an amazing video game. And I highly recommend anybody try play it. Uh, and the, the role play is kind of developed around that and she has set up all the structure for it. We created a channel called the prime directive, which gives all the restrictions and stuff that everyone can use to play and create their characters. There's a, a channel we're using the forum posts that are now available in discord, which is brilliant for role play. Um, one of the things that we're starting to uh, slowly integrate though, is uh, on top of that, we're integrating uh, role play for uh, freeform role play the way we used to have on shield using the forum stuff so we're we're giving options for the solo play and that but she's done an amazing yeah. job my, my job now is, is i need to go write up all the like the areas that role play can take place in yeah so, i spent like an hour the other day exploring it and my question was mm-hmm. you know if i want to get started I, I honestly i was so intrigued by what she put together for what steph put together for uh starbase one two three all of a sudden i was like well can i live on the station and play yes yeah, hundred percent. All you've got to do. So the the rules in the Discord or in the in the Prime Directive channel. There's this huge waterfall. It answers every question, links you to everything you need to know, but um, basically shows you how to come up with characters. Um, the the Prime Directive channel in the Discord chat like comes up with uh, the idea of of like you basically when you create your character, you create your captain's log character, and then you can post it up there so that people can reference it, and it looks like it's a. St- we created a channel so it almost looks like you're looking into the Starfleet commands uh, personnel mm-hmm. files 
the database, so the federation can, database, right? The federation database is where you post your character right. and you can say, you can create a ship, which is what I'm going to do. Um, or you can create station personnel characters. And uh, that's my character. Currently I I've done, I've only had the chance to do one roll up so far, but I did one session and posted that. And then some of the other players will take the events that, cause my character is the Admiral of the star base. So people will take the events that I am reporting on that have taken place via my captain's log playthrough. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll, and sometimes I'll assign a ship. Like one of the ships, I think it may have been the USS Jaeger or it may have been one of the other, was it one of the first, I don't remember what I'll have to go and look, but I think one of the, our other ships I basically referenced because I saw somebody and I got their permission to use it. And so I'm like, this ship went on this mission and, and they get to play that out. So it's kind of like, interlinking everybody's solo plays and giving like world events that they can build on so, so jim i thought about taking our collab play that we do here because we show our collab play we actually play it live sometimes eric and actually throwing the uss saratoga in here oh, i know that, yeah all right well, uh, we have a time issue because your your base is 2378 23 uh oh uh we are i think that sounds i think that sounds well no i don't think i think we're later than that um, I have to double check. What yeah, I'll, I'll double check. So that that's the only adjustment we'd have to make, Jim, is timeline wise, because it's Star Trek. Come we're, on, we're Picard. I know, I know. We'll figure it <laughs> out. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah. I'm more wormhole. Come on. That's that's the other thing. Patreon techno babble. <laughs> we we absolutely we rolled up randomly the events that took place at the starbase, and we discovered through Captain's log on a roll on a spectacular roll that I was we, on that show with you. Remember? Yeah, we rolled. Yeah. We rolled up uh, using Captain's Log. We discovered that there actually is a wormhole nearby and that the Starbase uses that for uh, for deep space transmissions and is able to communicate almost instantaneously across the quadrant. Oh, sweet. That's the wormhole. So we're like, oh, we could so play with that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Really- well, well, what's cool about it, just to let people know, we you, you don't when I read through it, that you don't demand a particular format of, of right. placing. Meaning, people can decide to write their whole story. They could give mm-hmm. you just a mission log, which is of kind of Captain Log. Should you do that? You could post the link to how your game turned out. So, what my intention, Jim, was to put a link to our live play when we when we do our role and say, "Oh, this is what happened on our last mission," and just add that in. So, it's just being part of this greater universe of people playing the game. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and with that, with that, Michael, I think we should probably take a moment just to say, like, you know, Eric, if if, uh, if a fan out there is watching this episode and wants to get in on this action, like, how do they how do they join your Discord uh, uh, server to do this? Yeah, the the way that the the easiest way to do it is it's through my coffee account uh, at six. I'm at sixteen bit Eric everywhere on social. So uh, mm-hmm. on coffee, it's sixteen bit Eric, or you can sub to the Twitch channel. Um, which is also 16-bit Eric, and you'll be automatically brought into the Discord. And uh, from there, you can just go down to the Prime Directive channel, and the it, uh, it's listed as uh, Star Trek information and OOC. And underneath that, you'll see the actual play stuff. You'll see station events and whatnot. You'll see Steffi's amazing. Her she goes by Pretty Witchery on Twitch, and she's did as Michael said, did an amazing job setting up an incredible Discord server. Nice. So, um, yeah, and it's it's four bucks to join up with the Discord and support the community. So yeah, that's pretty much how you jump in. Awesome. Yep. I mean, that's just I mean, it's just amazing. Just listening to you, how everything's tied together and everyone's doing their thing, but you you bring it all together. I mean, that's that's collaborative storytelling at its 
finest and it's all star trek it's all fueled by by your creativity in the game this is it's just awesome yeah um that people are asmr for me now too uh just so you know eric no literally like uh, honestly i I think it was this past summer wait what what month is this yeah in this past summer sometime Mm -hmm. i couldn't believe i was watching you play oregon trail like i was having (laughs) so much fun just uh, just just you know and and i think people uh i I used to tease my nieces and nephews initially, I'll say, mm-hmm. when they were getting into social media and they would be on Twitch or they'd be on YouTube watching Minecraft for hours. And I'd be like, oh, what are yeah. you doing? It's like, I, I, I just didn't, it didn't click. And then all of a sudden, they're laughing at me because sometime this summer, I was watching Oregon Trail in my kitchen while I was cooking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why are you watching Twitch, Uncle Michael? I'm like, because it's, it's cool. They're like, you used to tease it. This is exactly what we were doing. No, can I? I'm going to call myself out here. Go ahead. So, so did I. <laughs> what do you I, mean? I I used to think Twitch was so absurd. The idea of watching people play games was so. When I found out when I first got to GNS and I heard they were running a live D and D game, I was like, why? Like, who's going to watch that? <laughs> I was like, why is that? Why wouldn't you rather just go play? Like, that's where my brain went. And then. And to further, like, that's the thing is so much of this content as it's caught on. I, I used to make fun of reaction videos and my, my friend, Sean and I, who Sean was the head of video at GNS. We wanted to do a sketch where we just made fun of people who did, we were going to do our own like GNS reaction videos. Mm-hmm. And so the video would play and we would just stare stone faced at it and be like, okay, well, thanks. We'll see you next week. And then like, <laughs> and, and now I'm obsessed with them because they're letting me relive the joy of watching it for the first time through somebody else. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I have like, so I I'm right there with you. There is, there's content that I never thought I would watch. And now I'm just hooked. What's the psychology of that, Jim? You know, I mean, what, where when did this start where people watch i like there's even one someone at my work watches people eat and it's there's a word for this it's 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 popular in korea or china yeah and there's a word that they use and they just watch someone eat like a burger true i've apologized because i'm like i'm eating on stream and people are like no don't worry that's a thing for some folks and i was i'm like (laughs) yeah and it's not i asked i asked them is this sexual i asked them i was like is yeah, this like a kink thing? Like, no, it's just for me, it relaxes me. It's to yeah, watch it's it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's- yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I will admit, I watch a lot of uh music reaction videos. Um, and it's like what you were saying, Eric, it's, it's because yeah. I know the music and I'm getting to watch them react to something that I've loved for years for the first time. Yeah. And, and and you know, sometimes you stumble upon a channel that actually has really good commentary, like it, like it might be a you know, a professional opera singer who is who is reacting to other singers and and can get down into the weeds into the like technical details that a subject matter expert has that isn't me. And so I, yeah. I, I can, so I can learn as they're reacting to it. Um, but then sometimes it's just someone vibing to the music and they're like, oh yeah, they're geeking out on it. And yeah. uh, they always find a way to pause it like right before the music has a great crescendo. I know that frustrates and then, me. And then they get blown that. away. Uh, yeah um i i watch cinnabinge funny little girl reacts and heroes reforged those are the three that i'm always watching oh, see, i watch twins the new trend oh yeah yeah i know that oh and there's a, there's another one with these two guys i cannot remember the name it's gonna kill me later but yeah. they're fantastic quite interesting anyway, quite yeah, interesting where do you see the future of 16-bit eric on twitch going like what, what's your do you have a goal do you have a business plan around it what that is what inspires question. you to keep it going yeah, that's a that's an intense question because that's a question I've been asking myself a lot, uh, especially recently. So when when GNS when GNS came to an end for us, um, and it's still around, but it just came to an end for us. Uh, 
when that happened, I didn't want to, I didn't want what we were doing, the joy that we were experiencing and the fun we were having and the community that we built. I didn't want that to be contingent on what another company let us do. And so we started stream punks and we didn't really have an idea. We, we never wanted to be big, like critical role. We, we, our whole thing was, is we just wanted to keep playing and connected to our community. And then the pandemic, which really changed a lot of the landscape and um, the aftermath of the pandemic has been, or I say that, but there is no aftermath. We're still in it. Um, but the, the, the year that was 2023, I should just say, where a lot of things changed and everything started opening up again, there was a huge shift in streaming and a lot of people like every streamer noticed their numbers change and stuff like that. And it started getting us asking questions about positive or negative, negative, like a lot of people. And and that was, that was totally understandable and and anticipated. Like a lot of numbers dipped across the board for everybody because people were going back to work. People were, it wasn't this sudden onslaught of watching streaming shows. And I, I don't know if that's true for some of the bigger companies. Like I know CRs experienced a numbers dip on, 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 uh, Twitch, for example, but they're doing fine because they're streaming on like YouTube as well. And they're getting bonkers numbers all the time because they're critical role. Um, but like, I think everybody has kind of experienced it and it did get us asking questions like, where is this going for streaming? Um, thing was, what I've realized for myself personally is I started, I, st- I to be completely honest and very personal, I started streaming and stream punks because I was not ready to let go of what I found at GNS. I wasn't ready to let go of it. And that'll only take you so far because that's holding on to what you had. And um, when I'm asking myself about it now, I'm at a juncture where I'm at this junction rather of uh, where are you going? Like, never mind what you've done. Like, what's next? What are you doing with this? Where is this going? And what I've discovered is I, I, I love that I have it and I want to keep cultivating it. But now this past just in the past year i've gotten into writing comics i've just finished writing a second short story that's going to get published i like writing is starting to really take off all of a sudden a a thing that i have been told that i can do but have no formal training at so uh as jim has actually seen because i started pitching jim a a species idea and it took a couple of rewrites because i was just like i don't know the format la 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 just work and learn that's okay yeah essentially like i'm i'm I, I am an unrefined talent, I suppose, where I'm just need to learn a little bit more of the form and whatnot. But what I've noticed is, is creatively, a lot of things outside of streaming have really started to take off, thankfully. And, and that's very good because just streaming alone is not enough creatively. Like I'm interested in getting back into acting. It's why I moved to Los Angeles in the first place. Um, and then writing is just really important to me. So I'm, I'm looking at doing even more of that. I've been very lucky to have landed writing gigs this past year. So, um, streaming, I think is going to be just my way to stay connected in creating stuff in real time with storytelling, but I've never been a very, I'm not your typical Twitch streamer. I don't have like a very polished channel. I don't really, I don't take selfies all the time. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying this to like, to to be pejorative or anything or, or be put anybody down. I just don't promote my, I get in trouble with my community all the time because I do not promote myself. Um, it's its own full-time job. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I I'm curious to hear Jim's take on it too, because I think we're in an, ev- I'm going to use evolution for the third subject today, which is mm-hmm. rare for me, but um, we're at an evolution of time where the people who keep producing content are, have this slow, gradual, I always quote Frank Oz. It took him 20 years to become an overnight success. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and and we're seeing this consistency of people kind of shaking off at the at the nexus of the pandemic. We'll call it since it's not mm-hmm. over. Um, but I am noticing that people who are consistent are are starting to get the attention because people are like, oh, that person can deliver. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, the TTRPG space in particular is kind of a weird animal because there's so many there's so many strange dynamics that that are in play all the time that I've still as somebody who worked at a major studio that was ground zero for the biggest TTRPG show that ever launched to to being a small indie creator that you know a lot of people don't oh Eric's still running games <laughs> like that the the view that I've had from the top to where I am right now it's it's definitely a strange space and uh it's been strange too because the 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 cash cow money thing that everyone ran to for the longest time that overshadowed everything obviously is D. and what's interesting with us is stream punks is primarily we just love to play in major ip that we've always wanted that i've always wanted to write or be in and i couldn't so i'm just gonna go run it mm-hmm. <laughs> and so from from star trek to alien to doctor who you know all these worlds that we've played in um we kind of we occupy a, a unique space and it's not necessarily, I don't, I honestly, if you were to ask me like, well, so where's it going? Like, how's this, how's this evolve? I just don't know. Uh, I, I'm so curious about it because no one could have predicted where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And anyone who thinks they can predict where it goes next, I'm just like, well, that's an interesting <laughs> magic ball. Yeah. But stream punks, ironically, you know, despite the fact that everyone can recognize us, we do not get a lot of spotlight at all from anybody because we don't play D and D and we don't host major celebrity players on our, on our show, even though we've played with them, like Cilia Rose came and played lower decks with us off stream, which is amazing. That was so cool. Yeah. But, but like, we don't, we, we're just not, we're not in that sort of cool. How do I put it? I don't want to sound like I'm being negative on it, but we don't, we don't have any like the big names that people recognize in TTRPG. People just recognize a lot of the D and D players and the creators mostly circulating around like the crowd that is on critical role or dimension 20 or like glass cannon network and stuff like that. Like really great gaming groups that everyone knows and loves. Um, We, we've it's, it's, we occupy this strange corner of the internet where people remember shield of tomorrow, but then they're like, wait a minute, what's clear skies, (laughs) you know, cause they didn't, we didn't have the platform to promote it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but as you have said, Michael, what's interesting is, is that we have been around long enough now and there's a body of work that people can look at and stories that they can see. And, uh, it, it is interesting to me that, um, that we have kind of very quietly and very humbly managed to, to, to have an incredible breakthroughs with like being in Picard and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's yeah. and, and that went almost completely unnoticed in the TTRPG community, <laughs> almost completely unnoticed. Really? Yeah. Nobody really like n- no because nobody in the yeah nobody we didn't have the platform to like really get it out there. I mean, Star Trek Online announced it. Like we we did get this the word out, but the engagement was oh, okay. That's that's not bad, and that was it because people have difficulty finding us. We just kind of get buried underneath all of that stuff. And uh, it was, it was kind of, it was a little nerve wracking in the beginning. Cause we were like, how are we going to sustain this? But Ox crew has supported us through the entire thing. We've been around. We persist despite the fact that we don't get those huge numbers we had on shield of tomorrow. We persist with quality because we have outrageous 
amazing, loyal, wonderful, beautiful community that will not stop just getting our back. The Ox crew keeps. Is it that the story of Star Trek, though? It totally is. Totally is. Ox crew makes us fly like they are our warp core. Basically. Yeah, it's fascinating. And Michael, I think you, you hit it. That, that feels like that's just Star Trek, right? I mean, Star Trek from the very beginning when the original series was out and the, the studio was like, oh, let's let's cancel this after two seasons. And the fans were like, no. <laughs> right, right. That's like, true. Okay, yeah. Well, fine. We'll do a third season. And now mm-hmm. we're going to cancel it. And the fans were like, no. And then it right. just blew up on the grassroots with the with the reruns. Yeah. Um, but I mean, gosh, Eric, I'll tell you, just listening to you reflecting about um, Shield of Tomorrow and Clear, Clear Skies and stuff, it's like, I, I like I, I spend a lot of time on social media for the TTRPG industry, such as it is, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of social, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, websites and forums and discords and stuff. And like, obviously, D&D is the 10,000 pound gorilla that everybody's focused on. And then literally everybody else is maybe Pathfinder is, is somewhere in the middle yeah. of there. But like, then literally there's everybody else. And like. I would have thought, <laughs> you know, five years ago that Star Trek being this my massively gigantic global IP that everybody would know Star Trek. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like we're just like I feel like even after seven years, we're still kind of blipping along and we have a super loyal, hardcore, mm-hmm. very engaged fan base that that love the love the game, love the show, love all the stuff that we're doing. But like I go to the mainstream like TTRPG spaces, no one's talking about Star Trek Adventures. No one's yeah. talking about anything. It's like we've been look at this body of work that we put together for the last seven years. Yeah, that I would challenge most of the other game properties to to compare that to the, the number of releases we've done and just the sheer body of um, of passion that has gone into all this work. Not just for me, but for like the whole team. Yeah, um, it's just fascinating that that it's like we're just kind of like under the. Under the under the uh, um, you know under the yeah. you know and it's like it, well it's Star Trek you know so it's it's okay it's just like we're all waiting for that big breakout thing to happen and it's like I don't even know what that looks like so if I can say something about that yeah um, I this is one of the this is this has actually been one of the the risky and tricky things about uh, being a streaming group that that is playing the thing and then and then associating with the publishers who are making the thing is because one of the things that I have noticed is that if, if people can feel like they are, that they have found the indie band that hasn't blown up yet, then mm. the, the loyalty and the excitement that gets around that. And then the, I told you so's <laughs> like that, that's how critical role started. And, you know, I was there when we went from 6,000 subs to 20,000 subs to 40 to 50 to just kept going up and up. Like, it's because by word of mouth, it kept spreading that there was something really special happening over at Geek and Sundry. And they were right. Like CR is amazing. It's an amazing group of people and friends that are telling incredible stories. And um, the thing is, is like there, I can say that from the streaming standpoint, there has always been a terrible trapping that people fall into without, they don't understand that, that CR was lightning in a bottle that, that happens once they, they there's a lot of folks that try to chase that in a, it's not going to happen. It's not right. the circumstances that led to CR happening are incredible and amazing. And the people who are doing it are incredible and amazing. So they all, it all lined up when it comes to like us in like Star Trek adventures, I think because of the huge draw that other people have, I think the key there is to what we discovered was, is not aiming for the, um, not 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 falling into that trapping of trying to to wait or hope that that lightning in the bottle happens again what we've discovered is is that 
if you are just just make yourself the place people go if they've always wondered what it would be like to sit in that center chair or if they've always wanted to join a crew and play what if out in the stars with star trek when we focused on that what we've discovered is is that little things would happen like you know ending up playing picard or being referenced by jackson and colin in their star trek comics which was wild or you know little things like that that would take place gradually it's it's gotten to the point that it doesn't matter what game we run everyone knows me for the star trek games that i've run and it it does spread by word of mouth i think the next step for us and hopefully for like star trek adventures and streaming is just to become the the place through the different forms of media where you go to celebrate your love and interact with star trek in a way that uh that it's never been able to do quite as well as this before um that's that's my take on it and what i've noticed is that there's been uh every time we announce we're doing something for star trek people that left the community because we were doing something else they come rushing right back in and all of a sudden the discord server lights up and people are interested in playing and, and telling stories again um really I, interesting. I, I think it's a slow burn it's just a really slow burn are you noticing anything different generationally about the fans with your you know with that pulse on it um there are things that i'm trying to put my finger on like uh you know when you it's inevitable that when you launch a show you have a big launch and uh what i've noticed too is after the big launch you will inevitably have an audience drop off because people have difficulty um if i can just take this jacket off because i'm burning (laughs) up Um, yeah so i'll give you the breakdown uh when you launch a show there's almost always a huge audience turnout it feels great and especially if i'm going to give you guys some inside baseball because one of the publishers is sitting in the room with me right now but when you, <laughs> when you launch a show you almost always want to point at your t- at your launch because you're going to have great numbers there and possible sponsors are going to ask you well how many people are seeing your show because what kind of pro- like how many people are watching the product get played what we've discovered was is inevitably there is a big audience drop off because people have to choose Three hours of content to digest every week is a lot to ask. And you already know Critical Role is going to be one of them, probably Dimension 20. So what happens is, is people turn to the VODs, the video on demands and the podcasts. And that's where we saw a bulk of our audience migrate to after launching shows. So when we would tell people, yeah, you know, Clear Skies in its golden era was getting 700 live views, making us one of the biggest TTRPG live play shows out there next to like LA by nights next season and stuff like that. We were doing bonker numbers, but over time when Clear Skies wrapped, we had about 200 live viewers or 150. And, uh, but our VOD views were spectacular. There was like three, eight, 3,800 views per video every time it dropped and they would just go up. It was nice. Mm-hmm. So, what we what we discovered was is that there's a real trap in getting in getting hung up on what the numbers are telling you because they're not actually telling you a lot because what we discovered is is our value is that is three hours of star trek content that is on the internet forever right it's just there forever and uh it's going to exist as a live play demo forever and people will always come and find it so that's been good for us. Um, yeah. And there's people too that you just can't track if they're interacting or not. Right. I know yeah. that happened at Gen Con. I was shocked because if you look at our numbers like on YouTube, they seem pretty low, but I know listen, 
people listen to that podcast. But um, I wish Jim was there actually for it because I was like, people recognized me. I was like, what? How do you know? <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, I yeah. watched the show. I was like, really? I never, like, where are you doing this at? And how am I yeah. never, why are you not talking to me on social media? They just don't, <laughs> they just don't interact in that. Form. Just don't interact. Yeah. I'll never forget my first Gen Con was when we did a sign. It was just after Shield of Tomorrow had wrapped and Chris Birch asked us to come do a signing at the Modifius booth. And we were so excited. Mm-hmm. And we were being we were being stopped on the con floor. We were signing autographs. It was a little overwhelming. And like at the end of the day, I'll never forget. I was I was just completely exhausted. And I was like, oh my god! And and uh, we were joking because somebody had come. Somebody had approached Bonnie and given Bonnie uh, just like four six packs of cream soda. And she was like, how am I taking this home with me? I'm flying out. Like it was so funny because there were so many great like fan exchanges, but I'll, I'll never forget. We were so exhausted. And Talison from critical role, he, he sat next to me and he was like, you doing okay. And I was like, how do you guys do this? Like, this is what's happening. And he goes, Oh, you guys are where we were about last year. <laughs> this is where we were last year. This year, we don't even go to the con floor anymore because we just get completely swarmed. And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be us, but just walking the con floor and running into people who have watched or listened or shared who were there with you. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it always, to me, it feels a little bit like Treyu meeting Bastion. In the story. <laughs> like it always feels, yeah, it was like you were with us this whole time when we were, you know, uh, hiding the Genesis planet from Starfleet and you were with us when we were being flung through Klingon space by Q and all this other stuff that happened. And uh, it's really, it's gratifying and it's certainly a morale booster when people come up and, and say, hey, we watch and we're there with you. We're on, we're on the Ross Mm-hmm. most misunderstood named ship that we, in all of Starfleet. <laughs> what, they think it's Diana? <laughs> Ev- no, everyone thinks everyone thinks the USS Ross is named after Admiral Ross. Oh. Okay. And it's not. Right. <laughs> and that always comes out. Always have to explain that. No, no. Mary, it's a female scientist that you have. Mary G. Ross. Mary yeah. G. Ross, yeah. Mary G. Ross is who it's named after. Oh my goodness. So much, so much. Jim, Jim, any other questions? I know we could go on. <laughs> oh, we could go on all night, but I mean, this has just been, this has just been great. And I just, I hope you, uh, you know, um, continue on with what you're doing and I hope you keep Thanks. writing. Um, I you. know, I know we're going to find a way to get you on the schedule and, and get <laughs> you on the CA somehow. Um, I, I, re- I recall that we, we just missed your opportunity to get you involved in Shackleton. Oh yeah. Oh, that was right. When just the timing, just yeah. the timing didn't work out. And that was, I was, yeah, the timing. Yeah. I was super uh, sad about that. I'll be honest with you. Taking my fist. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. Like I remember going to Sam and I was like, I can't believe I was like, I know what I did was responsible, but that was awful. Please. I don't yeah. want to do that again. But you know, uh, I mean, not to say lightning strikes twice, but there, there's other opportunities to, uh, to work on STA. So you know, yeah. don't hesitate. But in the meantime, there's plenty of bigger fish to go fry with with, with writing. I mean, you you are in the right place for screenplays. If that's something that excites you, teleplays, etc. Yeah. I mean, you're right, you're right there in L.A. So uh, um, I'm sure, and, and you know, and you know people in the comic world, obviously. <laughs> that is true. I'm very yeah. lucky. I'm very very lucky. I have yeah. uh, I happen to to live with one of the most prolific comic book writers alive today. So. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've been complaining about the group you, cir you, you circulate with too, because they're writing so much. I posted this to Jackson and Colin the other day. Mm -hmm. Between everything that Jody writes, Jackson, Colin, everything being produced, I can't possibly read everything. And it's now starting to really irritate me. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know. How, it's like I can't tell you all to slow down, but I cannot keep up with the wealth of Trek goodness coming out nowadays it is it is a lot year five is amazing i highly recommend everyone check it out it's it, so good it is yeah. so good yeah and, I mean, and and again i want to just say you inspire us eric um you know we were talking about numbers and stuff like that but um i've said it before i'll say it again if you want to play the guitar you don't wait to become a jose feliciano before you play the guitar you just do it every day if you're passionate about it whether you get discovered or not it does not make a difference and we tell this to a lot of people playing rpg just play yes. the game so i just i just probably can speak for jim also and how i feel is you inspire me your faithfulness three days a week, generally doing your Twitch. Um, educ I know through the writer strike, I was listening to you, what you're saying, you're t in touch with the community. It was very educated for me. Um, and so putting it out there and being consistent has actually keeps me consistent. I probably, Jim gets inspired by it also. Mm, I mean, every day. I mean, I, I spend a lot. Of, I mean, especially the video on demand stuff. I mean, I, I try to get to the live stuff, but it's usually just the timing is inconvenient. Um, but when stuff is available on video on demand, like you, you both know that I'm working late into the night working on STA stuff. Um, I'll be working at, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning or whatever. I, I, I pride myself on always being available for the freelance designers that they're working on a layout or something and they need, they need to ping me with a question. I'm, I'm around. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But uh, if I've got some slow moments or I just need a brain break, I'll put on somebody's, um, video on demand, whether it's one of your, one of your things or, a, um, or a fan out there somewhere out in the ether who are playing the game might be in German, might be in, you know, Czech or some language that I can't possibly understand, but mm -hmm. I can see they're playing it and they're having a good time. And it's like, you, you get the, you get the RPG vibe, no matter what language is being played in. Right. And, yeah. and just to see them playing the game, it's like, that just gets me going all over again. Cause I know that, that, um, our team is making stuff that you guys are using and, and going off and being creative with. And that's, that's the, that's the biggest dopamine rush for me, honestly, is that mm. I'm, I'm enabling other people. We go, I mean, collectively we're enabling other people to go do cool stuff. And uh, right. that just brings a lot of joy to my life. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. And I'm grateful for the material you guys have, have basically delivered to us the perfect vehicle in which to explore and play in Star Trek. You know, for those of us who feel like we were never going to be able to partake in this universe ourselves, um, mm. because of, because of the, y'all basically gave us the nacelles we needed. So <laughs> that's uh, great to hear. Yeah. Bef and before we head to gratitude, Eric, is there anything you can plug? I know you have, you're on NDA on stuff, but is there yeah. anything you can plug to drive where people can see you or read what you're doing? Uh, let's see. Aside from my Twitch streams that are every morning at 1030 AM PST on my channel at 16 bit Eric on Twitch, where mostly we just chat and then I say, let's play a game today. And we don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, really the only other thing is Monday nights over on Althaven is when we run all of our games right now, we're actually doing a marathon of blood of the void, which is our Klingon campaign that I started and that Aliza Pearl took over, um, featuring an all POC cast, just like so amazing, fun. amazing people playing it. They went all in. We didn't tell them to put the ridges. I know that's what's Klingon. amazing about it. Yeah. So awesome. They, they, yeah. they were just so excited about it. Um, Yeah. All I can say is uh, that uh, I there will be another string punk Star Trek Adventures campaign. It has been in the works for a couple of months now and a lot of really exciting conversations happening behind the scenes of how to get that up and moving and, and launched. And 
Uh, that's going to be coming in soon. And that's all I can say about that. That's cool. You know, when it's, when it's ready to go, we'll have the whole cast on and promote That'd be great. On oh, they would conversations. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. We would love that. I, I in fact need to have blood of the void cast. on. I've been trying to get him. I don't know. I put a plug out there a while ago, but Eliza, so many of them are just elite. actors and not role players. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> They're busy with, yeah. yeah. Um, everybody's busy. That's always the challenge. Yeah. Getting, getting on everybody's schedules these days. Yeah. Yeah. So we appreciate you, Eric. You, you know, you're so busy and, and working oh. hard and, and passionately for what you love. So we, we love that you're able to come on continuing conversation with us today. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is always, uh, always an honor and a lot of fun. I appreciate right. it. Cool. So let's do our gratitude go round. Um, I'll do myself and then Eric and then Jim will have you close it off as per tradition. My, uh, uh, gratitude is actually going to go because on December 25th, I was so happy to see that Netflix premiered Prodigy season one. We know they have Prodigy season two. Yeah, Eric, you're wearing the shirt. That's so cool. Um, and so this goes out and this just comes from this conversation is the fans who keep Star Trek going. I mean, being able to, you know, when we heard that Prodigy was canceled, wasn't, and of course it's a phenomenal show. If someone hasn't watched it, I started my mm -hmm. niece on it and that was her first introduction to Star Trek. And now she's playing captain's log with me. Um, you know, so for the fans who pushed and pressured, it's not only a thank you for being able to get Prodigy back on the air. And this goes to also your Star Trek adventure fans who play the game. It's great to play the game even if you have just one book, but talking about it. And if you just once a year introduce one person to the game, it can make a difference in having this material keep coming out. Um, I, I always talk about how sad I am because when TSR stopped producing Marvel superhero stuff, I became depressed and I had to now do all the work of trying to produce quality products. Mm -hmm. And so as I play Star Trek Adventures, I dread the day we no longer have fresh product. Um, so again, Star Trek gratitude, gratitude to Star Trek fans for keeping things going. But reminding people, if you really like something, just tell somebody else about it. And sometimes that's all it takes to keep mm -hmm. the steam going. All right, Eric, what, who's your gratitude to? Oh man. Um, I think my gratitude as I mean, I, obviously I'm always going to share my gratitude to Ox crew and my, uh, my player forever partner, uh, Sam DeLev, but I want to take a second. And I think what I'm going to give my gratitude to, because I I've kind of hinted at it and I've certainly said it a couple of times, but I really want to just big a big shout out to Thomas Maroney because mm -hmm. um, Thomas and and Mike Fatum in particular, those two in particular, have been huge supporters of us since Shield of Tomorrow. And because we lost the polish of being part of a big studio with Geek and Sundry, never slowed them down in their support and their excitement for what we were doing next. Um, Thomas working with Thomas to create the Ross that I mean, I gave so like barely i was like i wanted the i want the saucer section to look like this i wanted it to look and then i was like i had no notes he came back and i was like that that's the ship that's amazing like thomas putting us forward getting us into picard thomas like going to the mat for us and and mike also letting us stream on the star trek online channel with perseverance like those kids have just been incredible supporters and have really helped solidify both me and the stream punks into the zeitgeist of star trek and uh, never mind. Like I thought it was a fluke when Modiphius was kind enough to let us be in a Star Trek book, but uh, now lightning has struck three times with Modiphius and uh, Star Trek Online, and then the show. So I just wanted to thank everybody for that. The fact that we're on Memory Alpha still blows my mind, and um, I hope we can still tell some really great Star Trek adventure stories together. You're canon, bro. You're canon, <laughs> canon man. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. 
It's so exciting because you got there before we did. I, I always had this little secret hope that somebody, some screenwriter would drop in a reference to the Shackleton Expanse somewhere in one of these episodes and it just hasn't happened. Right. It's like, you got the Ross and I'm like, oh, they got the Ross and that's so exciting. So yeah, indirectly, yeah. RPG got in there. If there is any writers out there that watch our shows, I and, and if there is any truth behind seeing some of our stuff pop up in Star Trek, which I doubt it, but you never know because it's sometimes it's eerie how freaking similar it is. I just want to say thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Super awesome. Exactly. Well, thank yeah, you, Eric. Uh, so, yeah, my gratitude, um, uh, gosh, is it, it's probably going to seem self-serving <laughs> or, 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 or ped, uh, pandering to our guests. But, uh, Eric, I have to I, I don't think I've thanked you enough for everything that you've done for Star Trek Adventures and for Star Trek in general, you and your cast and your crew and everybody involved in all the shows that you've done. You 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 were at the perfect place at the perfect time to lay a foundation for this game that Modiphius couldn't have possibly imagined. Right. And um, you have opened the door. You blew open the doors for so many people to get into the game, to get into the Star Trek as a franchise, like not just the game, but like you can, you can go play Star Trek without playing Star Trek adventures. Certainly there's plenty of other games that you can do it with and do it well. Um, but, but just thank you for, for your generosity of spirit and all the great stuff that you've done for Star Trek and for the game and just for the industry and the hobby, right? Is like, uh, you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to watch your show a few times, your, your Twitch, and it's just so fun just to kick back and you're so genuine and you're so honest with your fans and, and that reality that you create that, that ties into what you were saying before about how, how you don't, don't try to be, you know, don't wait for the big thing to happen. Just be genuine with what you're doing and, and do what you love, what you do. And you totally love what you do. And I'm inspired by that every time I talk to you or just listen to you. And uh, that keeps me going because like there are days when I'm like, why the hell am I still doing this? Yeah. Right. Or, or what, what's the, what's yeah. the value of doing this? Right. Yeah. Um, and then well, I see Captain Shaw said, you have to keep doing it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Captain Shaw is on a, on a different level. Right. And, um, but, but so Eric, so thank you for everything that you've done. Thanks. Jeez, um, thank you. um, and then I've got to thank the fans too. Like, uh, my, uh, Michael, you, you mentioned the power of the fan base, right? We've seen it from the very beginning back in the sixties when, the, when the, when the fans and the Trimbles started that letter writing campaign and said, look, do not let Star Trek die. It's going to stay on. You bring it back for another season, bring it back for another season. And, uh, you know, the fans started the conventions and they started the fanzines and the, and the fiction and all that stuff and just kept, kept it going. And, um, it was the whole, like there was the, the fans were involved in naming the first orbiter, the enterprise, right. They were going to call it something else. And they said, no, no, it's going to be the enterprise. <laughs> and NASA was like, oh yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so, and the fans, you know, you brought, you, you, I'm, I'm confident the fans had a big hand in getting prodigy, uh, moved and brought back to life, so to speak, um, to, uh, on a Netflix. And it sounds like we're probably going to get a season two, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, from here, the sky's the limit, but fans, you know, like Michael said, you know, if you introduce just one person to the franchise, either through the game or some other means, sit them down, watch an episode with them, watch prodigy with them, um, watch, you know, lower decks, watch discovery, discovery season five is coming here pretty soon. I am a comic book. Buy him a comic book. Yeah, get him a novel. Right, there's tons of novels. There's thousands of novels, uh, or, or hundreds. I mean, probably not a thousand yet. Maybe well, I don't actually. Maybe close to a thousand. Getting there, but countless. There's so much Star Trek out there. So just get mm -hmm. them involved. Share your love for it, and uh, keep growing the fan base. So um, that's my gratitude is to Eric and his in his cohort, and then also the fans because the fans w w without the fans, none of us would be doing this. Right. I mean, we we need the fans, and uh, we're grateful for them every day. 
All right, Eric, I'll see you on Twitch. IDIC. Hey. <laughs> yep. Live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. I'll find a way to get on that Twitch and just watch. <laughs> right Thanks, you guys. All right. Have a good evening. Have a good Cheers, night. man. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.